0: to the Black History Short Stories podcast. I'm your host, Amandre Johnson. Glad to have you on episode nine. On this podcast, we discuss short stories from black history with a person that has an invested interest in black history because here we think it's important to value stories that uplift and influence the culture while continuing the legacies and memories that are important to our future. Here today, we have Don. Please tell us your birth year and where you were born.
1: Uh, Don Smith, 1972, Runnoke, Virginia.
0: Outstanding. We're going to talk about a pretty big topic today, and it's uh, very relevant to today. We're going to talk about Black Republicans and how Black people transitioned from voting from the party that emancipated the slaves and made the 13, 14, 15 Amendment and why today, you know, Black people generally vote or Democrats and why, you know, black people kind of look at other black people vote Republican differently. Because when you turn on social media, you look at the news and you see uh, black people at, you know, the Republican rallies, you know, I, I've seen people really give them the side eye. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? So uh, it's, a, it's a whole history of to it. And I think it's important that we talk about it. Uh, I think before we start talking about why the transition happened, we first have to establish some specific dates and policies and amendments that happened uh, to talk about. In 1870, I think we we got to talk about Ulysses S. Grant and him uh, passing the 15th Amendment. And the 15th Amendment gave the right of citizens Gave the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or any or by any state on account of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. Uh, they gave the right for black men to vote. Women didn't get the right to vote until uh, 1919. With it, wait, yeah, with the 19th Amendment. Am I right about that? Uh, I think so. You so uh, said the 19th? Yes, yeah, the 19th Amendment, right? Uh, For women. Yes, yes. Uh, so prior to that, after 1870, when the 15th Amendment was passed and it said you would not be allowed to discriminate vote, they installed things like poll taxes, literary tests, fraud, and use intimidation to turn uh, black people away from the polls. And that was struck down in 1915. Uh, but a lot of places in the South specifically were using what was called the grandfather clause. And it said that if your grandfather was a slave, then you wouldn't be able to vote. Uh, And that made it so nobody would be able to vote at that time because, you know, 1870, your grandfather, if you were a black person, you know, was more than likely a slave. Uh, We skip forward to 1964, the Civil Rights Act, which prohibit discrimination on the basis of race, religion, sex, or national origin. Uh, Provisions of the Civil Rights Act also forbade discrimination on basis of sex, as well as race in hiring, promoting, and firing. Uh, The act prohibited discrimination in public accommodations and federally funded programs. It also strengthened uh, the enforcement of voting rights and the desegregation of schools. Uh, Also in 64, the 24th Amendment to the United States was ratified abolishing poll taxes in federal elections. We're going to go a year, and the Voting Rights Act of 1965 was a federal law that banned racial discrimination in voting nationwide and banned all literacy tests. Uh, Prior to this, only an estimated 23% of voting age Blacks were registered nationally. But by 1969, the number had jumped to 61%. Uh, So I thought those were important to cover before uh, to know what actual amendments or what actual policies had been put in place and that timeline, uh, you know, between 1870 and 1965, uh, where black people, you know, had full rights to vote without discrimination. So I found this uh, amazing article by UNBC, and I cross-referenced it uh, with several other websites. Like this is one of the more this is one of the more extensive researches I've done, because this is uh, it's deep, and it could get way off track. Uh, but to talk about why Black people vote Democrat to get today, we have to go back to 1912, uh, where Southerner Woodrow Wilson ran on the Democratic ticket for the presidency, and he promised, he promised civil rights issues. Let me, let me state that prior to 1912, the majority of Black people who had voted, who could vote, who were able to vote, uh, voted Republican. It was the party of Lincoln, uh, the great emancipator. You know, so they had stuck with Lincoln. Um, and in 1912, the Black vote was still majority with Republicans. But Woodrow Wilson made promises of civil rights. Uh, the NAACP endorsed him. But once he got in office, he really didn't do anything for the equal protection of African-Americans. So that caused some distrust for Black people in the uh, Republican Party. Uh, uh, African Americans during the period increasingly united around the issue of civil rights and anti-lynching legislation. So this is, you know, right at the time the Ku Klux Klan is rising and uh, civil rights is rising, lynchings are going up. So civil rights is a huge deal, and that's something that the NAACP really rode on. Uh, it happened a lot in predominantly black neighborhoods and in major urban centers. Uh, and it began to emerge as a, as a unifying symbol, like civil rights was gonna be a unifying symbol that became that for neighborhoods, for counties, for cities. Uh, we skip to we'll move on to the election of 1928. And uh, this is one of the first times since Reconstruction that a national political party made an organized effort to uh, persuade African-American voters. Uh, At the time, Al Smith was the Democratic presidential candidate, and he's actually the first Catholic nominee for the office, a major party. And he had the help of the executive secretary of the NAACP, James Weldon Johnson, and the assistant secretary, Walter White, not from Breaking Bad. Uh, And what they wanted to do is they wanted to lobby for Black voters. Uh, Smith campaign stated it wanted to show that the Democratic Party had changed. It wasn't the same Democratic Party that Woodrow Wilson had promised you with a lot of promises that never came through. Uh, but in reality, no effort was made to include African-Americans or address racial issues. Although he said it, it really wasn't. And White and Johnson drafted a statement of support for Smith, but they never issued it because he never showed any effort. He He never put it out there for people uh, to show that he was going to support civil rights. Uh, and as a result, uh, Walter White withdrew his public support. He said he, he kind of backed off of Smith. and But although he continued to provide uh, behind-the-scenes advice, uh, at the same time, the Republicans uh, backing Herbert Hoover uh, always countered with reminders that little had been done by the Democrats Uh, in forwarding the cause of African-American rights. And although Smith did not receive a large number of votes in the African-American districts nationwide, he did receive more than any previous Democrat uh, ever. So in the election of 1932, this is during the Great Depression, uh, Black people did not overwhelmingly support the Democratic Party. In Chicago, the Democratic Party received only 20% of the Black vote. That was a decrease from four years earlier. Uh, on as governor of New York at the time, Franklin Roosevelt, he did also did not have a great record with civil rights. Uh, also his choice of vice presidency was also in question. He was a Texan named John Garner and Texas at the time was a Jim Crow state and known for denying uh, blacks the right to vote. So black people did not trust his vice presidency candidate. However, the Hoover administration had also done little to earn the loyalty of black people. So, uh, and also blacks were disproportionately affected by the depression, they lost jobs at a greater rate than whites did. Uh, and another issue with Hoover is his nomination of John J. Parker, uh, who, was, who had been outspoken in his comments supporting the disenfranchisement of blacks during a run for governor uh, in North Carolina United States Supreme Court. For most Black people, the election of 1932 seemed to represent two choices where they had to choose the lesser of two evils. Uh, The article says, though disappointing, was from the party of the 13th, 14th, and 15th amendments, and a largely unknown candidate with little proclivity toward the rights of African Americans. Moreover, Roosevelt represented the party that had historically oppressed African Americans through Jim Crow laws and had blocked anti-lynching legislation.
1: Uh, Uh, Can I say something about Roosevelt? Absolutely. Uh, He he did pass the uh, equal, I think it's called the Fair Employment Act. Employment, Fair Employment Practices Act, I think it's called.
0: Uh, I don't know. That That was, yeah. What did that do?
1: Yeah. Uh, it just allowed. It uh, helped stop. You know, of course, it didn't. It was 1940s, but it helped stop some discrimination in the workforce for hiring black people.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I just I just uh, looked that up, and yeah, he did pass that in 1941. Uh, we haven't quite reached that yet. Mm-hmm. Right now, he's still the governor uh, of New York. Okay. Sorry. So we were. That's okay. No, no, no. It's fine. Uh, we talk about. Uh, black, influential people who Black people listened to at the time. There was a name, a man named Robert L. Van. He was the editor of a influential Black newspaper, the Pittsburgh Courier. And he openly called for Black people to quote, emancipate themselves from blind allegiance to the Republican Party. End quote. And when I read that, it kind of made me think of today, it kind of made me think of uh, influencers such as like Kanye West, who is Ben is, was, I'm not sure today, uh, supporter of the Republican Party. And he would often tell black people and say that black people don't have to vote Democrat. Uh, don't be sheep, you know, do your own research and whatnot. And, and that's when I read that, that's what it sounded like to me. Uh, but yet, despite the lack of assistance from Republicans, Black people, and this is straight from the article, says chose the devil that they knew. It seemed like it was, you know, you took what you knew. Both were bad situations because neither one of them really pointed to the advancement of black people, Uh, but you chose the devil that you knew. But it says Roosevelt took office in March of 33, uh, very shortly after his inauguration. The NAACP requested a meeting Uh, to discuss racial concerns, Uh, you know, surprise, surprise. The request was denied. What Roosevelt did was, because during the time of the Great Depression, he took that as an American problem and put Black and civil rights under that umbrella of, you know, depression, under that broad, you know, everybody's bad. He's going to put Black people and civil rights under that same umbrella. And so he was like, I don't need to talk about this. I know that there's a problem, is what it seems like he said uh, to them. And he said, there was no no need to single blacks out as a group. Uh, moreover, the president needed the support of the Southern Democrat politicians to pass his wide sweeping legislation. Uh, in the terms of a presidency, he did a lot in his first 100 days. In the first 100 days, He passed the Agricultural Adjustment Act, the Civilian Conservation Corps, the National Industrial Recovery uh, Act, that included the Public Works Administration, Federal Emergency Relief Administration, and at the surface of these acts, they appeared to do nothing to further civil rights for Black people. Uh, Each program was administered on the local level, which at the local level usually meant that governors and mayors... We're going to use this legislation to oppress Black people more. Uh, but while Black people were recipients of aid, they were supposed to, the Southern states practiced discriminatory distribution procedures despite uh, federal anti discrimination regulations. It wasn't until intervention from the federal government that Blacks began to receive a proportionate share of their assistance. Uh, the National Recovery Administration did not include jobs typically held by black people. Uh, The New Deal farming program sent relief directly to landowners who who were more often white and more often failed to pass along the assistance to black tenants or sharecroppers uh, that worked on the land. Uh, But what Roosevelt did to help the advance of black people, uh, he appointed more uh, black people to federal positions than all previous Republican administrations combined. And I thought that was a, a huge deal to have that representation in a federal position. And not every position was high profile or high level, but the appointment of black people in those positions was important in itself. So we're gonna move on to the election of 1936. And this represented a major shift in the allegiance and voting patterns of Black voters. Not at the big migration yet. I saw I'm calling this a migration. But this uh, played a major shift in it. Uh, at this time, Blacks were not specifically voting for a party. They were voting for New Deal policies in the Roosevelt administration. They saw that what Roosevelt had done before had, you know, wasn't, see, it didn't seem like great effects to it, but it did have effects. So they wanted more New Deal policies such as that. They voted for Roosevelt and they voted for New Deal. Uh, from what I read, everything I read, they weren't voting Democrat or they weren't voting Republican. They were voting New Deal. Uh, New Deal policies had positively affected Blacks. Uh, Job programs such as the National Youth Administration employed 25,000. The Civilian Conservation Corps uh, enlisted 200,000. And the Works Progress Administration assisted 1 million Americans. Uh, So during this time between 1915 and 1940, and so that's, uh, Is described during the time period of the Great Migration of when Blacks start moving from the South and they started moving North. Uh, So it was right during this time. And because of the increase of Black population in Northern cities, Black people started living in states that were key to votes. States like Illinois, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. This made the Black vote much more important. Because now that Black vote affected these key states that uh, presidential candidates had to lobby for. So in 1936, uh, the Republican convention in Cleveland, and there was a Democratic convention in Philadelphia. And at the start of the conventions, the Republican platform included limited language that regarded Black people. The Democratic platform contained no formal language at all but there were a bunch of black people there in seats. Uh, They had them among the press and the delegates and even a black person delivered an address from the podium in Philadelphia. So that was huge to be able to have black people represented. Although they didn't say much, black people were there representing them. And I think that's a big deal. I don't, I don't know how much you have to say if you have Black people there. Do you, do you still think you need to address it if you have Black people there?
1: Uh, yes. So uh, you're talking about the Democratic Convention. At that time, most of the Southern states were Democratic. Mm-hmm. And so you could have Black people there, but we lived in the South. We know what was really going on. So, you know, having a Black face and a Black seat when you're lynching people in, you know, in the South, doesn't really help.
0: Valid point, I agree with that. I take back my statement. Okay, so what this did do at the time is both parties had to actively uh, seek out the black vote. And they did it in a bunch of ways. They did it in advertisements in black press. Uh, the Democratic Party was said to have exchange advertising for support. Uh, each party created short movie clips, uh, telling about the virtues of the platform of each candidate. Republicans tried a strategy that still remains intact today. The Republicans went and got Jesse Owens. And they were seen with Jesse Owens, and he spoke on behalf of the Republican Party. And immediately that made me think of today when the Democratic uh, elections were happening and you saw Joe Biden with Vivica Fox. You saw, oh, man, the candidate from South Carolina, Uh, he was with, uh, not Plies, uh, Juvenile, Uh, what's his name, Tom, from South Carolina, yes, it was a guy from South Carolina, he was very rich, owned a company, Uh, I can't remember, Uh, but then you saw, um, Tom Steyer, Steyer. that's his name, oh man, I can't believe I, Lost my train, uh, lost his name like that. then you saw um Bernie Sanders with killer Mike. so taking the celebrities at the time and having them promote your platform to reach the black vote i it seemed like that was a trend and then and again, I don't know if Trump still has or had Kanye like everybody had a how do i how do you say a black representative for them like a Black and A Black
1: celebrity endorsement.
0: Yeah, a Black celebrity endorsement for them. So this is, and that goes back to, you know, Jesse Owens. And I, when I read that, I was like, wow, that's still happening today. And that's a trend that continues, continues to happen. Uh, the biggest advantage for the Democratic Party was uh, the support of what's called the Good Neighbor League. And the Good Neighbor League was like a faction or an auxiliary of the Democratic Party. Uh, it seemed to be independent and it uses influence among the clergy and non-affiliated and to get other non-affiliated Roosevelt supporters who did not want to become directly involved with the Democratic Party to get them involved. Uh, Good Neighbor League attracted well-known black people and sponsored a huge rally to celebrate the anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation in Madison Square Garden. The rally displayed three figures, Jesus, Lincoln, and Roosevelt, uh, and they called them three (laughs) emancipators of the Black race. And uh, that's just, to me, seems like the, uh, you know, using other people who, like the people who supported Elizabeth Warren when she came out and supported Joe Biden, you know, now those people who supported Elizabeth Warren now support Joe Biden. And that's what kind of it seems like to me. Um, Right. When the election results were tallied, Roosevelt and the Democrats had won about three-fourths of the Black vote, which was at the time, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, So he went on with the New Deal programs, and the New Deal programs still at the local level was discriminatory, but they did help Black people Uh, Game employment, provided visible and tangible relief. Uh, And at this time, Blacks didn't see them voting as, you know, for a traditionally racist Southern Democratic Party. They were voting for the party of the New Deal and the man who had created the New Deal program. And, you know, I can't stress that enough. At at this point, you know, Black people aren't looking at parties. They don't care it's Democrat, Republican. They care about who's going to help us more uh giving uh kudos to the roosevelt administration they had appointed more african americans than any prior administrations and individuals within the administration they had harold i think his name is ikes you know who that is have you heard that name before
1: uh no i don't know oh. who that is okay uh
0: i'm gonna have to do more research on him uh eleanor roosevelt and they you know, they genuinely wanted to help the situation of Black people. Uh, they said without creating, you know, official policy, he created a climate of fair treatment and was willing to be seen in public, you know, with Black officials and, you know, seek their advice and talk with them. He was in constant communication with, I won't say constant, he was in communication with the NAACP and Black influencers who uh, helped out. So that's that's the 1936 election. So in between that time, I looked up what happened in between that time. uh, I have to bring up the presidential elections. There was Harry Truman and Dwight Eisenhower. And that was from uh, because Roosevelt served from 36 to 44. So in 48, Mm -hmm. Harry Truman took over. And then 52 was Eisenhower, 56 was Eisenhower. Harry Truman was a Democrat. Eisenhower was a Republican. Uh, And they both had legislation and both promoted civil rights in their own way. Uh, In my opinion, from what I've read and from what I have understand, they haven't done as much. They didn't do as much as Franklin Roosevelt did, but they did have policies in place uh, for the advancement of black people. Um, So then we move up to JFK who took over, and uh, the election of uh, JFK gets assassinated. Then we go to the election of 1964 with, uh, let me uh, trying to share my screen with uh, 1964. And do you, are you familiar with the name Barry Goldwater, a.k.a. Mr. Conservative? I uh, am. Yeah. What do you know about Barry? Uh, I
1: know, he, well, he- I guess they would, people call him like the father of conservatism.
0: That's what I read. That's what I read. Um, So in between this time, and you can tell me if I'm wrong because, you know, you study history and whatnot, and you can tell me your opinion. In between this time, uh, from what I read, Black people aren't voting necessarily Republican or Democrat. And if they got to choose a party, you know, there were, what, two Democrats that won? No, what, two Democratic candidates that won? Between Truman? Well, and, uh, yeah, Truman was a Democrat, then Eisenhower was a Republican. So in this time, I feel like Black people are voting for the best policy, regardless of Democrat or Republican. They had one Republican and one Democrat. And then they went to JFK, who was a Democrat, but he was an avid promoter of civil rights. He did, he did his thing on civil rights. He was all about it.
1: But, uh, JFK Yes, sir. No. why didn't he pass the civil rights law? why did he have to he died why did Lyndon Johnson have to do it? He died. He was di- He didn't die the first day he got in office? No, you're right. He didn't die the first day he got in office. He not. He resisted doing it. Did he? He resisted signing, signing that bill. Yes. Ooh, I did not know that. Hmm. Interesting. Okay,
0: okay. All right, so I might have to look more into that. JFK dies. Uh, Linda B. Johnson's Mm -hmm. in office. He's going to run against Barry Goldwater. And from all my readings, you know, when you Google this, when you, you know, research this, this is the point in history where they say that the black vote turned officially from Republican to Democrat. This is the turning point that they have given uh, because Barry Goldwater. Was a huge proponent of keeping the federal government out of states' business. Uh, he believed that the Civil Rights Act was unconstitutional, although he said that once enacted into law, it would be obeyed. But states, he said, should implement the law in their own time. And he used this strategy to lobby uh, many white southerners and segregationists, and you know uh, a lot of from what I read, a lot of white people in the South felt good about his words. They felt reassured. Uh, What this meant to black people means, what this meant to black people is no voting rights. uh, You're going back to Jim Crow, mass discrimination and mass Mm -hmm. oppression. Uh, And there's a quote from a a black man at the time in America. And he's quoted saying, quote, African-Americans heard the message that was intended to be heard, which was that Goldwater And the Goldwater wing of the Republican Party were opposed not only to Civil Rights Act, but to the Civil Rights Movement, in large part as well. Uh, In his uh, speech at the Republican National Convention, and uh, you tell me if you've heard this quote before, because anytime I read about Goldwater, it goes to this specific quote. And it says, extremism in the defense of liberty is no vice. Have you heard that quote before?
1: I have. I had to. I had to look up what this means. What does that quote mean to you? <clears throat> that uh, whatever it takes, he was willing to do it. Okay. You know, it might might seem extreme. You know, and it was extreme, but if that's what it takes to win. Okay. See, I
0: got something different out of it. When I mean, not necessarily different, but not the same. <laughs> um. I had to look up who he was talking to and what he was talking about. And when he says that extremism and the defense of liberty is no vice, he's talking to these Southern states rights and saying that being extreme is not a bad habit. Okay. Fight for your rights. And when he's saying fight for your rights, the your, I had to really, I had to really research this and really look it up. The your he's talking to is Southern white people. Your rights to not go yes. to school mm-hmm. with Black people. Your rights to have your own water fountain. Your rights to Jim Crow. Your rights to be separate. And, and that's what I got of what he was talking to. States rights. Um, right, right. right. right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, keeping everything in the local government. And it's from everything I read, you know, that statement right there and him in the political party really told Black people that we cannot stick with this party. Like people look at, when I from the research I read, people look at Barry Goldwater, and you know they turn, black people turn from the Republican Party, and this is a strategy that both Nixon and Reagan, uh, both used to lobby the Southern vote. Uh, I looked up a quote here from uh, NPR.org. Uh, the data suggest that even as late as 1960, only about two thirds of African-Americans were identified with the Democratic Party. And now two thirds is now two thirds is a pretty big number. But when you compare it to the day, that number hovers at about 90%. So that's 90% of black people vote for public. I mean, vote with Democrat today. And I find that amazing. I do. Um, one thing I looked up is a survey and it's from the Washington Post. Uh, it was a sober uh, survey done between October and December of 2015 so follow me on this and you tell me what you think about it and tell me if you agree disagree uh, your critique of it so there was a survey of 400 black respondents who are representative of blacks with at least some college education which in 2015 made up 53% of the black voting population and are the most likely voters Okay. Um, yeah. So, what they did is they took the people for the survey and they gave them three descriptions of a hypothetical presidential election. And they rated their likelihood for voting uh, for the indicated candidate in each one. And let me pause here to say, because I stopped at Barry Goldberg and the flip of, uh, you know, in 1964, and the black people turned their back on the Republican Party for the most part, and say that that trend stuck. That trend is stuck with black people voting Democrat from 1964 till today. And you know, I, I just wanted to make that clear because I, I kind of skip forward to this survey. But uh, you know, black people have voted majority Democrat, 90%. It says. Uh, so the descriptions vary. Ten factors. The ten factors were: the state of the economy, the black unemployment rate, the violent crime rate, healthcare costs the candidate's views on racial inequality, abortion policy, same-sex marriage policy, the candidate's race, the candidate's party, the candidate's prior political experience, oh, and the candidate's prior political experience, okay? And here was an example of one of the hypothetical uh, descriptions used. Uh, Likely Black voter is informed that under the current president, who is, remember this is twenty, you know, 2015, is a white Republican. The crime rate is down, but the healthcare costs are up. The economy is strong and more Blacks are employed. And the president is against abortion, disapproves of same-sex marriage, and thinks more economic opportunity and hard work is the best way to reduce racial inequality. So what they did is they then asked them to rate the likelihood of voting for the incumbent president on a seven-point scale being... You know, one being very unlikely and seven being very likely to vote for them. Uh, other scenarios, descriptions of uh, the survey different. Uh, there was another one that said the president is a white Democrat who supports abortion rights and same-sex marriage, but is presiding over an economy where more blacks are out of work. And then asks respondents to rate the likelihood of voting for the challenger a Black Republican in Congress who supports Black Lives Matter. So they gave them a lot of variations of this and uh, the results are pretty interesting. So what they found was during these studies, a candidate's race matters to Black men, but not so much Black women. Black men were more likely to support a Black presidential candidate but black women were not. Instead, black women were more influenced by policy, positions, and socioeconomic conditions. Uh, There were differences on the best approach to reducing racial inequality. Uh, Generally, all black voters expressed a preference for new legislation to address civil rights protections, but middle-class black men were the exception. The voters were more likely to support the candidate who believes that increased economic opportunity is a better remedy for racial inequality. Conversely, single parents, the vast majority of whom are women, were the strongest supporters to new civil rights legislation. And I didn't comment on the first one that a candidate's race matters to black men and not so much black women. Does the candidate's race matter to
1: you? Uh, yes. Yes, it does, actually. Okay.
0: Okay. Mm, um, I, I, I'm going to go more <laughs> with black women on this one. I, I think the policy position is socioeconomic conditions matter to me more. Rather than well, the- it
1: doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the most to me. Okay. You know, when, uh, when Obama was elected, you know, a lot of people said, you know, black people just went with Obama because he's black. Well, he wasn't the first black person to run for president. We didn't vote for Jesse Jackson. Or Al Sharpton we voted we voted for someone who was black and could do the job and so I wouldn't say you know of course being black influences me but just because you're black you won't get my vote okay so speaking on the next um uh,
0: findings of the study uh it talked about middle class and I don't know where you consider yourself on that scale of middle class upper middle class lower middle class um uh, or you know lower class in general, uh, you know what do you you know what that's one of the questions so we'll get we'll come back to that later okay okay uh, another st- another uh, statistic that they found is the violent crime rate has a negligible effect on the middle class blacks voting choices uh, it stated that the impact of the crime rate on candidate preferences was weaker among middle class blacks but stronger among poor, working class, and affluent Blacks. So uh, again, I don't know where you consider yourself on that scale. How much does the violent crime rate affect your voting choice? How
1: much does someone being tough on
0: crime affect your choice?
1: uh, Not much at all. But I found that interesting. You said that the lower, uh, lower income and the more affluent income people, they were more influenced by that? They were, uh, It said that the impact on crime on
0: of the crime rate of candidate preferences was weaker among middle class blacks, but stronger among poor working class affluent blacks. And in my opinion, I think that means uh, that people who are more middle class, who have who don't have to deal with as much crime, who maybe live in, you know, suburban areas or out in the country or safer areas who don't have to deal with black on black or don't have to deal with crime in general as much. They don't care about it as much. But the people who are living, you know, in the cities, you know, living in the rough areas, that's a big deal to them. Uh, To me, it will be a big deal. But I want to I need to see more on your specific policies to show how you're going to combat that.
1: Right. Well, what I thought was uh, odd about it, I understand, I agree with you 100% why lower income people would be, it would be a concern because you live with it. Right. But the affluent people, those crimes don't get to your neighborhood. So, you know, I wonder why it affects you so much. It doesn't get there. If it doesn't get to me in middle class, surely it doesn't get to you in the affluent. Right, and that's, and that's what it's saying. It's like it was
0: weaker, like like that was that oh, weaker big, there. Yeah, that wasn't a big factor in the candidate. Oh,
1: okay, I'm sorry. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that, and that's what the, what you're saying is exactly right. Is it didn't affect them, so it didn't really matter to them. Right. Uh, another finding that they found is conservative positions on social issues actually didn't matter. Uh, it says conservative positions on issues like same-sex marriage, and abortion. Are common among regular churchgoers, including Black churchgoers, but for the most observant Black voters, defined here as those who attended church weekly, the candidate's stances on these social issues had virtually no effect on their voting choices, which I found astounding. Like I found that, like I found that uh, pretty unbelievable because, you know, you drive past. Pfft, any abortion clinics, I would say, if you if you drive past, you know, five abortion clinics, three of them will go have people protesting outside. Right. And to say that, you know, that doesn't affect their vote seems unbelievable, because I, I thought this was a huge issue that people felt strongly about in the black community. Do you think you don't think it? At a, I mean, yeah, this is. Di- Let me say this: out of those protesters who are outside these abortion clinics. I've never once seen a a black person do it.
1: Right, right. So maybe- Um, I think that uh, abortion is not a, I guess restriction to abortion is, you know, not a big issue in the black community or access to it. Um, I think because we have so many other issues to worry about and social issues, you mean like same-sex marriage and things like that, or? Yeah, I, yeah,
0: I, me, personally, I care less of who you marry. I, I you know, I support yeah, you 100%, it doesn't, doesn't affect my day.
1: No, and I think that as, you know, Black people are practical, too. We know that when you start uh putting your foot on someone else's neck because of who they marry, who they like, or whatever, soon you know, we've been there. Sooner or later, it mm. works its way around to you. You know what? That's a great point. I had I
0: never actually thought of that. That is, hmm. That's a good point. Uh, Another statistic that is found is experience and predictability matters to Black parents. Black parents stood out from other Blacks for their apparent risk aversion. Other things equal, Black voters with children were more likely to prefer presidential incumbents, excuse me, whereas Blacks without children were more likely to vote for congressional challengers this could reflect a desire for stability and predictability. And I thought that was a pretty interesting statistic. Uh, I'm not a parent, you're a parent. So what this statistic showed, and you could say whether it's right or wrong is, you want to be able to know what your candidate is going to do. And you want to know how, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? How consistent your candidate is with their decision making?
1: Uh, yeah, what it says to me is that basically, uh, black parents who are saying we can't trust you. We don't know you. We can't trust you. I'm not for sure for sure what you will do. I'm gonna uh, go with the devil I know, and ride with him. Not can't uh, you know it can't be a mystery. We can't have you. We can't put our support behind you, and you do something you know unpredictable. We can't trust you.
0: Okay, so you—I know you use that quote, "Go with the devil." I know. Had—had had you heard that quote before? Oh uh, yeah, that's a pretty common phrase, right? I—I I never heard that until I was reading about this. Oh. <laughs> well, you're a little bit younger than me. Indeed. Well, I heard it now. So in the end, it stated that the findings showed that party still trumps everything. For all respondents, the presidential candidate's party had a massive effect. Uh, In other words, we're presented with two candidates who have identical policy positions, who are running under identical social, uh, societal conditions. Blacks strongly prefer a Democratic candidate over a Republican. And that right there, that statement, that finding, uh, it spoke volumes to me. It did. It said that black people had chosen. To me, it says that if two people are identical, the exact same, they bring the same thing to the table. I'm going to go with the Democrat because, like you said, that's the devil I know, or that's the party I'm familiar with, and that's the party I trust right now. And and that's what they go with. Uh, is that something that you're that you're well, consistent through history?
1: Uh, not through his. Well, through I guess through your since the '60s. Through your life. Oh yeah, definitely in, in my lifetime, um, and I think it's because you know if we're just looking at the parties, you know, Republican or Democrat, and you know, one person isn't going to change the party, and so. But if you look at you know where they're at, you know, at least right now, it seems like one party is actively against you. The other party might not be all in for you, mm. but they're not working against you. Hmm. Okay, okay, okay.
0: Um, we'll talk about that later. so we've reached a point in our podcast where we understand the story, we understand the the facts behind it, and uh, I hope I've kind of made it clear because this is this is an extensive research uh, that could easily easily be put into a book. I'm telling you, I had you know, 15 different tabs open, going back, cross-referencing so much information, and you know, all this information could be easily put into a book. And I'm trying to condense it down into you know a podcast that is less than you know an hour, and 30 minutes. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll come back with our favorite part of the podcast, our questions, and we're going to learn the big facts. Of the podcast. Welcome back. Uh, I want to take a quick second to shout out uh, the Perlo Podcast Network, which includes the Perlo Podcast Top Ten List. And uh, we were talking during the break. You said you don't know what Perlo is, do you? Uh, no, I do not. Well, let me explain to you. Perlo is a staple of South Carolina. Uh, I I know that you know people from South Carolina, but I don't know if you know their diet. Uh, rice is included. I feel like in every meal. Like if you're not eating rice in South okay. Carolina, yeah. are you really eating? And uh, perlo is a mix of uh, it's like rice, uh, onions, chicken. Some people put sausage in it, and it's a deli- It's delicious. I can't I can't lie to you. It's delicious. Uh, you add a little chicken broth. I can't tell you the recipe. I'm not from here, but since I moved
1: here, I love. Her. <laughs> it sounds like some uh south carolina jambalaya or
0: something hey listen don't don't speak ill about or speak negatively (laughs) or out of out of character about perlo now you get perlo you will get the state of south carolina at your front door okay uh but the perlo podcast does a top 10 list and they are amazing last night well maybe this morning they released a uh episode the top 10 uh changing points in american history and I can't wait to listen. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm I'm definitely a fan. Also, want to shout out Dr. Ty and the Colonel who recently released a podcast on Cam Newton, COVID, and craft beer. And I imagine uh, talk about Cam Newton. Their next podcast is going to be about that $500 million, 10-year contract that Patrick Mahomes just signed.
1: And uh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, half a billion dollars sounds pretty good. Sounds pretty good, but. We're gonna move on until one of the favorite parts of the podcast is the questions, okay? And uh, Don Smith is an informed black man who follows the political trends regularly and follows candidates. Uh, I can give you credit, You, you personally, you specifically put me on Stacey Abrams. And ever since you said her name, I've been looking her up and following her. Uh, but I know you're in tune to this and you've been around for a while. So which political party do you uh, side with and why?
1: Uh, the Democratic Party. Why so? Uh, like I mentioned earlier, to, you know, uh, voting, if you're black and you're voting in America, you have to choose the lesser of two evils. It's a, you know, we, it's not a parliament system. We have two parties. You have to choose one. And you have to choose the lesser of two evils. And uh, like I said before, I think that the Republican Party is actively trying to hurt you. The Democratic Party, they're not going all out of their way to help you, but they're not trying to hurt you. Hmm. OK, OK.
0: I see that. So um, I, I would say, because I, what I do is that when I create, create these questions to ask, I also ask myself these questions and you know, this is a challenging for, you know, the guests, as it is for me. I I don't know that I side with a political party per se. I look at people more so and, but like you said, I look at people who's going to help me and people who's going to hurt me. And if nobody's out to help me per se, I'm looking at the people who are not going to hurt me. And, And so I definitely understand That logic. I will say I asked my grandma when I was, uh, I don't know, eight, nine years old. I asked her what's the difference between Democrats and Republicans. And, you know, I I remember sitting in the living room and we're sitting on the couch and she explained to me that, you know, we have to vote Democrats because Democrats help out the poor people. And right now we are the more poor people in the nation. So that's where our help is going to be. And I said, okay, And ever since then, if anybody, ever since, you know, probably I was like 25 or so, uh, I would tell you Democrats. And ever, you know, until I really got into it, you know, I would say Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. Because that's what my grandma told me. Uh, And because my grandma told me, it was a good enough reason for me.
1: Well, let me say, I didn't, uh, I haven't always voted Democrat. Really? no, I used to vote independent for independent candidates because I didn't trust either party. It's like, neither one of them are going to do anything. What's the use? I'll vote for it. independent. So they all, uh, like for president, the first Democrat I voted for was Obama, believe it or not. That is interesting.
0: Which leads me to my next question of what kind of candidate appeals to you?
1: <laughs> uh, hmm. uh, one that's... Well, I guess a better way, I'm going to answer it a different way. A candidate who doesn't appeal to me is one that comes on TV and tells you how he's going to fix things that are going on in Washington. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make sure they don't do that. What have you been doing prior to this? Like, so a candidate that appeals to me has some history of doing the things that he says he's going to do. You go in there and you just say, I'm going to reduce crime. Well, what are you doing now to reduce crime? What have you been doing? Why would I believe that suddenly I'd vote for you and you'd get to Washington and reduce and do something to reduce crime? You wouldn't do it in your state, but suddenly you'd do it at a federal level? Of course not. And so I look for someone who's uh, been consistent with what they're saying and what they've been doing. Um, also look for someone who's you know, smart. Um, that appeals to me too, is that you, you know, if, if the person isn't smart then i just don't under, understand you know why you would uh want that person to be you know to represent you mm-hmm. um i don't want someone you know people say they want a candidate like me like them you know he reminds me of me i don't i want someone smarter than me to you know to have, have these jobs not me hmm. okay
0: okay that's a, uh that's definitely interesting uh, I do not disagree with you. Uh, The candidate that appeals to me is, like you said, is someone smart. And uh, me personally, I like to think of myself as uh, someone who's a critical thinker. I think deeply. I I like to think I think deeply about things. But uh, someone to me who is smart Knows that they're not the smartest person in the room, and they surround themselves right. with people of expertise, with people who are smarter. Who I, I, you know, who you look at people and know that guy knows more about the economy than me. I need him. That guy knows more about foreign mm-hmm. policy than me. I need him. That's the kind of candidate that appeals to me. And even if right. someone has a a slight injustice in their past, I, I look for a candidate who says yeah I tried that and it didn't turn out how I wanted it to. I messed that up. I will never do that going forward. I will never ever try that again as a matter of fact, I've done this, this, and this to you know fix that and to me that that's that that's a good candidate because that's somebody that reflects that's somebody that is progressive that somebody is and somebody honest there, that's somebody that is honest and knows that you know. Man, I you know I thought this was a good idea in the beginning, and it wasn't. And I got to move forward from that. And you know, uh, I I got these questions because I attended a couple of uh a couple of campaign rallies. I went to uh, a couple of Democrats. I got to see Joe Biden. I got to see Pete Buttigieg. Mm-hmm. And being the black person there, you know, interviews flocked to me. Like, what are you doing here? Why are you here? What do you
1: want to talk about? What do you at, want? At uh, Pete, at Mayor Pete's, or at Joe Biden's?
0: At both. I got I got and tons both? of interviews, Both of them.
1: There wasn't a lot of black people at Joe Biden. At
0: Joe Biden's, there was a lot of black people. Uh, it was at a college, so there's a lot of black people oh, in college okay. age. I was one of the more uh, older people there. Okay. So, um, and, you know, they interviewed a bunch of people. I'm not don't don't. I'm not making it seem like I'm the only one. At Pete Buttigieg's, there was probably about ten black people in there. And one of the things I was questioned <laughs> on is, you know, the the black person who got killed in Indiana. And uh, I was a fan of Pete, I'm not gonna go lie to you. I was a fan of Pete. And I tell you the one reason I was a fan of Pete is Pete got on stage and he was questioning about the black man who got killed in Indiana. And he looked in the camera and said, I dropped the ball. He said, Mm -hmm. I did it, he said, I did it wrong. He said, "From from this point forward, I'm gonna put people around me that know better that can help me fix this problem. And I respected him after that so much. I mm-hmm. did Because that's not something you always see in pop in politicians. You hardly ever see it. Accountability. And he took that. And you know, when the woman interviewed me and, and I replayed the interview and she didn't show it on TV, like it it was uh, it was recorded, but she didn't show it on TV, but she talked about it. She described me as weird and interesting. And I don't find <laughs> it at all because. It's a, it's a terrible thing, and it's an issue that we need to address in America. And, you know, with the establishment that we have now, there's no, pro, there's no plan going forward to address it. Pete had a plan to address it. You know, he mm-hmm. he, 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 he analyzed and says I, he said, I messed up. I did. I know what I need to do. And I hate that it happened, and I hate that it continues to happen. But I, I like that he had a plan going forward. I supported that. I did. But moving on to the next question, and I've been trying to uh, formulate this question in the best way possible. Uh, So I'm I'm trying to give you an example: Uh, Is the party more important than the person? And I ask why, why not? And what I mean is, will you vote Democrat regardless of who's in that seat, or will you vote Republican regardless of who's in that seat? Like, is that is the party affiliation, the party values? or would you vote independent? You know, what they say is the party values more important than the actual person itself.
1: Uh, no, the party is not more important than the person in a sense. So I guess, let me explain. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't think I could vote for the Republican regardless of who that person is until some things change within the party. So. In that case, I'm saying the party is bigger than that person. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't vote for that person, no matter who that person is until the party changes. There are some Democrats I wouldn't vote for either because of the person, so not the party, if that makes sense to you. I wouldn't vote, even though I might vote Democrat for, you know, most of the ticket or whatever, but there are certain Democrats that I wouldn't vote for because of the person.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay, so, and, uh,
0: you know, I'm, I'm thinking about this as we talk about it. So what you're saying is, the Repu- first of all, the Republican door to you, like, to you to vote Republican, for you to open that door, first of all, it's closed until things change, and then you're willing to open it up. And what you're saying is, the Democrats have to mess it up for you to not vote for them.
1: Yes, that is the, that's the better way to put it. The door is completely closed. Um, and the Democrats, that door can get closed too. Don't make me close it. Okay, 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 okay. I see
0: what you're saying. Um, I, I, uh, hmm. I would say that, well, first of all, I do my best to not identify with a party at all. You know, I I hear people all the time use the word Democrat, Republican, liberal, liberal, conservative, left-wing, right-wing far right, left, right, all that. I, I I try to ignore all that. And I try to look at people and what they do, what's consistent
1: about mm-hmm. them. Uh,
0: so, and and maybe it's the, and maybe that's just how the party is set up. But, mm-hmm. you know, I hear things that I like from one side and things that I don't like from one side. And it just happens that that person who says these things is a Republican. If a Republican said the things that I wanted to hear, then I would vote for that person, regardless of who says what I want to hear, who's going to be the good person who's going to have, you know, high standards, who's going to be the smartest person to make sure that they put the people around them uh, to, to be the best person that they can be for the country, who's going to set aside their self interest for the interest of the greater population.
1: Uh, and can I interrupt? But uh, absolutely, I think a lot of a lot of it depends on where you know where you're at too. Because as you were saying that, uh, I was thinking about the governor of Ohio. Uh, uh, I think his name is Dewine. Um, but you know the things he did to, uh, you know, against you know what the uh, Republican administrative administration uh, wanted to uh, slow down the you know doing what he thought he had to do, slow down the uh, virus. You know, restrictions and shutting down and things like that. And as you were talking, you know, I thought of him. I was like, well, you know, actually, that's a, a Republican I could vote for because he's doing the right thing mm-hmm. for, you know, his people and ignoring the party. So that's, a, you know, or ignoring the, uh, you know, the trend of the party or whatever, or what the party really wants. Okay. So that's a Republican I guess I could vote for. And so I guess it depends on where you're at. Um, I'm in North Carolina and, you know, I don't know of a Republican like that here.
0: Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, You said, yeah, DeWine is his name. I just looked it up. Uh, I wasn't familiar with him. Mike DeWine. I have to look him up. I'm glad you said that. Uh, Okay. Okay. So what do you see as your role in your political party? You, you, you've you identified that you, that the Democrats, is the Democrats vote, your vote is the Democrats vote to lose. So what do you see as your role in that?
1: Uh, well, I'm a voter, I guess there's, you know, I'm not a participant in party activities mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, I think my role is in in being in the party is to be as informed as possible to make sure that, you know, my vote is uh going in the direction that i want it to be and not just based on uh who's popular or who's not or whose name i know the most you know i think that's you know part of my role in a party in the past i have uh did voter registration drives mm-hmm. um i think that's a big thing that uh i should do it again a lot more people should be doing in our communities is getting out and uh, making sure people vote okay okay uh I I, I think you're exactly right.
0: No, I I agree with you. Uh, I take my role. uh, Again, I don't necessarily identify. I don't want to identify with a political party. Uh, I go with the best person I think is going to help the best. And uh, my role is to inform people on that and pass on that information. Now, what they do with that information is on them. But... I'm going to pass on information that you know people don't normally get but as you say you stay informed you know you de facto do that whether you know it or not you know you de facto tell people about these things in normal everyday conversations you don't even know you're doing it you're just talking about life and what's going on but you do and you know people assess those issues and i i, I think that's a great role i have not been involved with uh, voter registration Per se, but that's that's a great idea. I'm glad you brought that to my attention. That's something that I'll be looking forward to do. Uh, do you believe that the black voice is truly heard in the government?
1: Hmm, is the black voice truly heard? Well, times are changing, right about now. Um, you know, I don't know if, like I said, this is a strange time, you know, compared to other times because you know white folks are giving us things we ain't even asking for like what um, what you, but, What'd you get that out like uh uh no uh taking auntie mama off the uh waffle uh off the syrup we ain't asked for that but you know they're doing things you know we didn't even ask for we have been living with auntie mama on there been telling y'all about it for years we still buying the syrup and eating pancakes but um So it's a strange time to ask that. I guess it's, you know, who knows what will happen going forward. Uh I think uh, people are starting to react, uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, the government is going to react when, you know, economics is impacted. uh, And also when we have enough white people on our side. You know, as you you see these marches on TV, and mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of white people at these marches too. We need advocates. We need, uh, you know, we need when when their voices are combined with ours, then it gets heard. But black people are roughly 13 percent or so of the population. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. You don't you don't have a lot of voice. I mean, you just don't. And so, you know, we need white advocates to help our voices get louder. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so like uh, I said, right now it looks, you know, it looks a little different than it than it than it has been in the past. But hopefully, this can you know, you know, keep progressing going forward. Okay, and, and I'm glad
0: you brought that up because I asked myself, do I believe that the black voice is truly being heard in government? And I'm going to tell you that I do. I do believe that that black voice is being heard. Do I believe that it's being listened to? And and that's another story. And I say that because I look at people like like Joe Biden, who, you know, he banks on the black vote. You know, he banks on it, like, and and he feels strongly about it, which led him to say some things that he shouldn't have said. Yeah, you, you know what, let's just put it out there. He said that if you're not voting for him, you're not black. That's not his place to say. That's not. But no, he is feels it. so strongly about that black vote, he <clears throat> felt comfortable saying
1: that. He was wrong, you know? Uh, can I, no. Can I say he was right? <laughs> that that is a true no, statement. Not, he no, was wrong okay to say it, but right, that's right. a true
0: statement. That's what I that's what I mean. I mean that now that statement might not be false, but he's not the person that needs to make that statement. Agreed. All right. So that, that that's what. Okay. Excuse me if that was confusing. That's what I meant by that. Is although yeah. I agree with the state, I, I agree with the statement. He's not the person to make that statement, but he felt comfortable making that statement because he feels so comfortable with the black vote. And on the other hand, mm-hmm. the uh, person that he is against uh, disregard, seems
1: to disregard. Disregard? Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think he actively pushes it away. I, I, I don't disagree with that. No, you're right. No, no, you're right. Yeah. I think he is very proactive against you. I mean, he's arguing about Confederate statues in 2020. I mean... Yeah, 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 yes, sir. You're right.
0: Yeah, yes. In Confederate flags. I mean, right. But but that leads me to my statement is when I ask, is it heard? He hears it. He does. He hears it. But he chooses not to listen. And 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 that and that's what I go back to. And a follow-up question is if you didn't think, you know, uh, your voice is being heard you know what should you do and the people who don't think their voice is being heard is doing exactly what they're they're supposed to do they're out in the streets protesting they're sitting outside stations they're sitting outside of government buildings if you don't think your voice is heard that's what you're supposed to do and and that was a follow-up question if you had said no and what you should do. And that's what they're doing. And that's where your voice is getting heard. You know, they're still protesting out in California. They're still protesting in New York. They're still Mm -hmm. protesting in Minneapolis. You don't see it as much because it's become, you know, it's this, Mm -hmm. it's been long and it's been exhausting and you've seen it before, but it's still happening. And these things that need to change, you know, there have been minimal changes, like you said, that, and it's difficult for me to talk about this uh, because I don't want it to make it seem as if it's insignificant. When I say Aunt Jemima's off the bottle and they're moving Uncle Ben and bands put out bands yesterday for the, uh, t- excuse me, today's July 8th, but July 7th for the Blackout, bands put up uh, something on their website that says, before you buy from us, try to find a Black owned shoe place you know before you spend your money with us we know we're with you uh Ben and Jerry's
1: I can't discredit any of that but it's not enough it's no not- it, it, it it no but you know we we're looking for systematic changes exactly and that's not going to happen overnight these things are you know great like i said you know things no one's asking for we're not asking for that right but <clears throat> But, you know, and, you know, I guess, you know, good gesture. Great. But we need systematic change. I agree. But we can't, you cannot discredit what they're doing. I appreciate it.
0: I thank you for it. But it's not enough because those people who, who they praise those Confederate flags, they need those Confederate statues. They're out in the streets. You know, they're protesting against you. They're out there. So what you do from behind the desk, I love it. I appreciate it. But it's not enough. I need you to get up out your seat and go do something.
1: I well, do. what I need those companies to do is hire some black executives. Hire oh, black people in, in into your executive positions. Uh, you know, Ben & Jerry's great on the ice cream. Hire some black people as your executives. Well, uh, I, I would like to
0: counter that because I looked up Ben and & Jerry's and I want to know what they're doing. Ben & Jerry's actively seeks uh, convicts to hire at their ice cream shops. Like, they hire oh, oh, me... and people and, you know, Prison uh, actively uh, uh, disproportionately affects Black people uh, Mm -hmm. in general. So, like Ben and Jerry's does, I thought they did. I thought that was I. I was like, yeah, that's nice. They they hire. Oh, I'm sorry. Let
1: me let me correct. I was only using Ben and Jerry's as you know one of the examples as that you were naming off. So I didn't mean them personally. Oh, okay. Just per se. Okay. Okay. I
0: I, no. I I I agree. I agree. Uh, you know, uh, I would use the example of uh, every 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 major corporation at this moment in life needs a black PR person. I've said this for months now because you put out a statement <laughs> and you say things and Twitter is unforgiving and social media is unforgiving. They will cancel you. There's so many places I can't eat right now because they, they tried to address it and they did not have a black PR person. And they addressed it in a way that ended up more offensive than they
1: thought thought it would be. Uh, Or they just, I I don't, go ahead. I, you know, PR person, I agree. Or at the least, you need to run this by some black people. You know, (laughs) at least have, you know, we need to at least be at the table. Like, before we say this, uh, Don, what do you think about, you know, we're looking to say this about this. And, you know, I could probably help you in the right direction. I, I agree. I agree, and there—I mean, there are countless examples.
0: uh, Yeah, of people, uh, I can name a list of places that right now I can't eat at Wendy's. I can't eat at Taco Bell. I can't eat at Chipotle. I can't go to Starbucks. I can't eat at Chick Fil A. (laughs) (laughs) Like I I can't go to any of those places, and you know, find you some black-owned restaurants. And I would love to. I love to. I live in an area that's, you know, mostly commercial. So there's not a lot of uh, mom and pop shops around here. There's not a lot of small businesses around here, Yeah. but I'm gonna find some. I found, I found a, a couple. Uh, there is, there's is two that I know of that I do go and uh, eat from. I do. Uh, but these things are, you know, they're concerning. Uh, Jimmy John's recently released something. I, first of all, I, I never liked there, but now I know for sure I'm not going to eat there. Uh, You know, there's a long list of people who need these things. They do. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, before we finish up our questions, Mm -hmm. is voter suppression. And you tell me how you feel about this. Uh, uh, After, you know, Voting Rights Act was passed, and you know, it's been a long time since, prison disproportionately affects Black people. Uh, Black Mm -hmm. people make up 13% of this nation, like you said. But they make up a larger pers- portion of the prison population, and the law states that convicts are not allowed to vote. Uh, do you feel convicts, people who have recently released prison, have the right to vote?
1: Uh, of course, and I think that's uh, determined by states to okay. not. I don't think that's a federal law. But um, of course, uh, of course, everyone, anyone who has to obey the laws, pay taxes, should vote. I mean, like what what why would you deny me representation hmm. because i went to jail right that's right. that doesn't make that that's to me that's nonsense
0: and i can't i have not found evidence anywhere and maybe it's a task i need to take up is to show the studies and statistics of uh
1: maybe that's another way of voter suppression you know maybe that's, oh it is the new and uh, another thing I'm sorry. Another thing too is that uh, so a lot in a lot of states, you know, I know in New York at least, that you know they count the population in their jail as part of you know their census population, mm-hmm. which of course you know the census of course gives you more resources from the federal government, determines how many congressional districts you have, mm-hmm. et cetera. So they use these people to boost their political power but won't give those people when they get out any political power. Mm. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's nonsense. I do, I do, I,
0: I think that's ridiculous. So you're right, it is the state's right. I looked at it in you know, Florida. Uh, in Florida, felons who are released from prison do have the right to vote. Uh, regarding black history, what do you consider to be the most significant event in your lifetime?
1: In my lifetime. So not ever in my lifetime. Let me see. You can um, do both. I mean, it's, it's your convo. Well, the most important event, I think, uh, well, in recent times, of course, is the Civil Rights Act okay. in uh, 1964. But um, in uh, my lifetime, it's probably, I guess, the election of Obama.
0: Don't Hey, listen. Um,
1: I'm I- you can say that a lot of people have, and it's valid. It is, it is valid. I'm trying to think of another significant, and you know, and I've conflicted over that because I'm not for sure how much of a black achievement it was outside of symbolism, but mm-hmm. symbolism is important. Um, mm-hmm. It's important for our children to, to have that memory to see him mm-hmm. being there. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, as far as like achievements for black people through his uh, presidency, I'm not sure I can name a lot. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say I know how, you know, it was significant in its symbob- symbob- symbolism um, for black folks, at least symbolism for black folks. Okay. Okay.
0: I, I agree. And you're the third person to say that. And you're, that's the third reason I heard
1: everybody has their own reason. Am I the, uh, am I the oldest person or youngest to say that?
0: Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back. Because I
1: imagine someone like my mother would, or your grandmother would say something different.
0: Um, They did say something different. My grandma did say something different. Uh, I don't remember what she said at the moment, but she did say something different. She didn't say Obama. I know uh, I don't know. I have to go back and, and check. But that's okay. Uh, who is the most influential person in your life and why?
1: Uh probably my grandfather uh was the most influential. Um and uh why is because uh you know I always uh well I went with him every you know, I went with him everywhere. Mm-hmm. I was always around him. Um my grandfather couldn't read or write. Mm-hmm. But uh and so um you know I was thinking about him and you know, like one thing he used to have me do. I used to read his mail and even, you know, I'm like 10 or 12 years old and I'd be doing his taxes for him, you know, fill out the tax form. So he couldn't read or write, but he made sure that I could read and do math. You know, he was, he was instilling something in me that, that he didn't have. Mm-hmm. And when I look back and think about it, I really admire him for that. But uh, he, was, uh, he was definitely the biggest influence. Um, we, I was like his son. We were around each other constantly.
0: Indeed. Indeed. You know, he pushes you to, to do more and try to make sure that you, you know, were able to do things that, you know, he wasn't able to do. And I've talked about uh, him before, and I just recently learned here in the past month or so that he could not read or write, but the dude could build a house. And
1: I find that amazing. Uh, build the house. I mean, he used to build dog houses for people. Just, uh, he could build anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He figured it out. He, he, he made a way to where the path was tough and, you know, he made a way. And I, I agree with that 110%. Uh, one yeah, of the
1: yeah. things. He was also born in a,
0: go ahead. No, he was born where? He
1: was born in 1917. What? Uh, and so, um, yeah, Granddaddy was born in 19, well, he told me he didn't, uh, he said he wasn't for sure as that was the year, but that's the year everybody went with. And uh, so when he was uh, growing up, he used to, you know, he never went to school. Why he didn't go to school? He said because he had to share crop on people's land. He had to work to help the family. And so you know, and just coming from that, you know, and ended up, you know, then you know being able to take care of your family, you know, is is you just imagine how much harder it was for someone back then. Than right. it is for us today, especially in uh, you know Southwest Virginia. Right,
0: right. I, I didn't know that. No, I I didn't know that. I was aware that he didn't go to school, but I, I didn't know, you know, the reasons uh, behind that. Why? I didn't know he was sharecropping on somebody's land. Interesting. Uh, one of the things, uh, new things I'm trying to do is a uh, big facts. So, the facts of the podcast stuff that will make you go, wow. So a couple big facts and this comes the pewresearch.org. Big fact number uh, one, the black voter turnout rate declined for the first time in 20 years in a presidential election falling to 59.6% in the 2016 after reaching a high of 66% in 2012. I thought that was amazing. The Latino voter, uh, voter turnout rate held steady at 47.6% in 2016 compared with 48% in 2012. And, and I thought that was uh thought that was interesting now. And I would love to, I didn't see statistics, but I would love to know statistics on how the Latino vote uh, turned out. Uh, the Why number, do you think the black vote was lower? I, <laughs> because in my opinion, I think the black vote was lower because it's not like old times where you chose the devil you knew. Instead of choosing the devil you knew, you chose nobody.
1: So uh what what I'm sorry, but uh what were the years in comparison 2016 to 2012 versus what? Two thousand twelve. Oh well it's obvious why it was lower. I mean, yeah, it I mean, was Obama
0: and but right. that next but you would think that it would become a habit you know you once you vote in two thousand you know you vote in two thousand eight, you vote in two thousand and twelve, you go out in two thousand sixteen, you would think you would vote, but I feel like in two thousand sixteen you know you looked at left and right at both candidates and you were like, eh, maybe I'll stay home, yeah, poor decision, well, obviously, it was a terrible decision it is it's a terrible decision you know, cast your vote uh you know if i if, if I could tell anything from this do the best research you can choose the best person when both people are equal take the lesser of two evils you know agree that that's what that's what i would say uh, the number of naturalized citizens voters reached 10.8 million in 2016 it's up from 9.3 million in 2012 uh, Also, Black, Hispanics, Asians, and other racial or ethnic minorities accounted for 26.7% of voters in 2016, a share unchanged from 2012. And I had to cross-reference that because when I first read that, that did not make sense to me. You're going to tell me that the same percentage of people voted in 2012, as in 2016, but you go tell me the black uh, vote went down, and that didn't make sense to me. So, so, who, so whose vote vote was uh, higher? The Latinos vote. Oh, uh, okay. Latinos covered that gap where the black people didn't vote. Latinos vote uh, went up, and hmm. I, you know, I, yeah,
1: I, the, the normal people, and I was, well, I was fairly surprised at that. You know what? when you think about it, you probably shouldn't be surprised when, you know, I don't know how they voted, but I'm pretty sure some of the motivation was, you know, a guy that came out and said Mexicans were rapists and he was going to build a wall, you know, to separate America from Mexico. That might have motivated some Latino voters. You know what? You're right about that.
0: Uh, the next big fact is the voter turnout rate increased among millennials and those in generation X. And that will be uh, talk about millennials will be me. Uh, I'm 30 years old. Uh, and generation X will be the generation after me. And to be hundred percent honest with you, I cannot tell you that age range. I believe my little sister is in generation X. Uh, and there in that the generation x it, you know there's there's extensive research that needs to go on with those cats
1: uh, they are wild <laughs> every yeah. listen every generation says that about the one behind it. and you know what maybe
0: i'm just maybe i'm just that old guy now who says that about the generation model uh yeah. <laughs> yeah another surprising fact the voter turnout rate among women was 63.3% in 2016, mostly unchanged, from 63.7% in 2012. So women came out and voted at about the same rate. Again, it doesn't say how they voted, but it, they voted at about the same rate, which I found interesting. I would love to see the statistics of how how they voted. Mm-hmm. And that's just gonna take more research. I I could say this topic here, and you know, there's a lot of areas where we could have went way more in depth. I could we could have went way more in depth about Barry Goldberg. We could have talked about Nixon. We could have talked about Reagan. We could have went more about Theodore Roosevelt. This could cover a whole book, you know. Uh, definitely, definitely. But you know, we kind of I, I I did my best to kind of keep it straightforward and give you facts. And you know, I hope you know the listeners you know, both of y'all <laughs> go and research and say, hey, you know, look at this. Because I, I do get information all the time about different topics for people to say, you need to look into this and you need to read that. And, you know, I take all that in consideration. I do. I think that is super important.
1: Uh,
0: is there anything else that you want to add?
1: Uh, yes. Vote. Do not only vote in your presidential elections, vote in your local elections as well. Vote in your midterms. I never miss a vote. Vote when it's you know just your city council. Vote.
0: I, I, I agree. That's uh, it. Go ahead. said so that's it? Uh, people uh, you know, have been, people have protested, people have marched. People have been arrested. People have died for that Black vote. For that black representation for that black voice to be heard and definitely definitely need to vote when i watched the uh i don't know if you watched the oprah special
1: uh
0: where do we go from here no well she had like nine of uh you know black influencers uh she had like kende x on there who's an author uh she had keisha landsbottoms on there uh She had a bunch of people. I can't remember everybody, but, you know, I watched it was a two night event. And uh, what I got from it was vote, vote presidentially, but especially vote locally because, you know, that's super important. It is.
1: Yes, it is.
0: And uh, that's, that's going to be where, you know, a lot of the policies are, you know, are going to be changed at your local vote and, you know, I, I can't stress the the importance of, of that is the vote. You just got to do it. You do. You just got to vote. You got to do. And there are plenty, like Google, cool. when I was researching this, you know, I, I just typed in, you know, black votes. And uh, there's a website specifically on that. It's called com, And they have a whole website to help you get registered in your state they tell you statistics. They tell you where to vote at. They give a lot of great information. So if you're looking for information, you're trying to get, you're trying to figure out uh, how to vote, where to vote, what to do, what's your steps to take, go to votingwildblack.com And they also have for those looking for jobs on there. I, I don't know what you would uh, be interested in political science or uh, whatever it is. They also have jobs on there for you that you can apply for in DC and, uh, that was the majority of the jobs on there, but they have several other places that you can look at. So votingwhileblack.com. Um,
1: that place is- And now, uh, can I mention one more thing about voting locally? Absolutely. Uh, so I don't know how it is in other states, but in North Carolina, uh, there's a website that will give you a basic rundown of each of the candidates, at least tell you you know, a paragraph or two about them. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know when I vote locally a lot, I don't, you know i don't know these guys i don't know much about them they don't campaign <clears throat> excuse me and so this will you know at the least the you know the one in north carolina at least gives you you know uh what their history is you know what you know what positions or jobs they've had before where they're from where they went to school at little things like that so i'd advise people you know not only vote but don't vote blindly try to learn you know at least something about the person you're going to vote for
0: I agree. I agree, and I and I thought of this on the way. And it's okay if you don't have an answer right now, but I want to ask you this question, and I, and I want to start asking this to uh, all guests who come on the show. And uh, I'm gonna try to phrase this in the best way I can. What is more important to you, money or morals?
1: Uh, morals. You can replace money. Money comes and goes. You spend it every day. Yeah. Morals.
0: Okay. OK, uh, I've wondered about that because the more and more I look at, you know, um, today and this is this is the unresearched because I, I, I don't know how recent it is. I don't know how new it is. But like we said, 90 percent of the vote of black people is Democratic. So that 10 percent that's Republican. I look at what, what drives you to be Republican. What, what pushes you that way? What makes you want to do that? And it's a lot of very affluent black people who have who are upper middle class or above. So that fact of money says, Oh, I want to both there. I'm going to get more money. I value that more than, you know, than anything else. I want that money. So, and that seems to be, I could be very wrong, you know, three months from now, I could get other information and see different and change my mind, but that's what it seems to be to me.
1: Let me uh, just to comment on it. Um, uh, now, I'm not even gonna mention the radio personality, but when they were uh talking about voting, you know, and of course, you know, this person is, you know, relatively rich compared to most of us. Um, you know, I'm sure he's a millionaire. And so he said that he was gonna vote in his interest. As a millionaire, your interest is, you know, someone who's gonna give tax breaks to the wealthy. Yep. And so, you know, and so you're right, money, you know. They don't see it as money, they see it in vo- as voting in their best interest. When, you know, I see it as a more of a collective our best interest. Right. Not morally. Not, you know, you're rich, so what? I mean, do you not care about the you're you're gonna be fine either way. You're gonna be rich with or without those tax breaks. What about the rest of us?
0: I I, I agree. I agree. And I and I'm not a 100- hundred Sure, but that you know that story you know kind of you know another af- you know another affirmation of my thought process is you know rich people that's or people with a lot of money specifically you know black people with a lot of money they from what it seems is they tend to value that self interest and it's not about the collective you know and everybody I see every black person that I found who is a supporter of like republicans right now is you know the main focus is money you know and, and they do their best to combat every narrative that threatens their choice their threaten their chance of making more money of getting those tax breaks like right, you talked about right, right so uh yeah I, I don't know what to do about that because you're focusing on you know individual self-interest over the greater good for everyone. But, right. Yeah. You know, I, and I also don't think, but also I see people who are, who have a lot of money, who were, who didn't always have money. And they don't necessarily think that way. So I, I, I think the, uh, the, the process in which you've made your riches also makes a difference. So,
1: yes, that's true. And you know how you were brought up, where you come from. But yes, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But
0: uh, I would like to thank you for joining us today.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it.
0: And uh, if you would like to reach out to us at this podcast and give us ideas for the podcast, tell us where we can prove, make a correction in the research, send in your opinion. Uh, This is such a broad topic, and everybody you know, has an opinion on it. Uh, I know I hear the word, you know, every day you know, when I'm on Twitter, you know, when I'm, on so- when I'm on any social media platform, when I'm out and about, I hear the terms liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, left wing, right wing, far left, right, left. You know, everybody has their own opinion on it. So please email. I'd love to hear that. Feel free to email us at bhshortstories@gmail.com at gmail.com. That's B is in black, H is in history. And short stories plural. See you guys next week.